It is good indeed to um, see everyone here. Um, good to be able to come together and spend some time encouraging one another and hearing a message from God's Word. Um, I've made it known that uh, I've been on the go for a little over a week now, and I'd plan to hopefully be able to make it through tonight. And so far I'm on track. So if I collapse after the after tonight's uh, message, you'll know that I had just enough energy to get through. But uh, it's so good to be here, to be back here, and to um, um, get back to work here. And it's been so encouraging to see everyone. And thank you all for your prayers and for your welcomes, uh, welcoming me back. We have been making our way uh, through some parables that we find in Scripture. If you want to go ahead and be turning to Matthew chapter 22, we will be there just a moment. Um, we're looking at our Lord's parables. Last time we looked at two parables that appear in Matthew 21 that, that dealt with rejection. They were the parables of the two sons and the parable of the wicked vine dressers. In the parable of the two sons, we saw how the sons reacted to their father's command to go into the vineyard and to work. There was one son who, who wouldn't, um, who said he wouldn't, all right, let me back up. He said he would go, but he didn't. And then there's the other son who said he would not go, but later he regretted it and he went into the vineyard to work. In the wicked vine dressers, we see how the, the landowner planted a vineyard, and then he hired men to tend to it. Uh, and we made reference when we were looking at this to Isaiah 5, talking about that vineyard. And in this morning's lesson, we again reference the vineyard there in Isaiah 5. And we see how the Lord had prepared that vineyard, how he'd done all the things that were necessary to uh, have that vineyard be productive, yet he was disappointed by the children of Israel. But with the w wicked vine dressers, he had the landowner that planted the vineyard, and he hired men to tend to it. And when he sent the slaves back at the time of harvest to collect what was due him, the hired men beat and killed them. And both of these parables speak of the Jews' rejection of the prophets, culminating in that ultimate rejection of Jesus Christ. And so tonight we're going to be looking at the third of these parables that our Lord gives during his time here in the temple, towards the end of his life. And this is the parable of the wedding feast that we find here in the uh, first verses of Matthew chapter 22. And again, this parable is going to deal with rejection. It's going to be just a slightly different way. So we'll take a look at this one tonight, the parable of the wedding feast here that we find in Matthew chapter 22. Let's begin by, by reading the parable, starting in verse 1. It says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. And he sent out slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding feast, and they were unwilling to come. Again, he sent out other slaves, saying, Tell those who have been invited, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fatted livestock are all butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went their way, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his slave and mistreated them and killed them. But the king was enraged and sent his armies and destroyed those murderers and set their city on fire. 
verse 8. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the main highways, and as many as you find there, invite them to the wedding feast. And those slaves went out into the streets and gathered together all that they found, both evil and good. And the wedding hall was filled with dinner guests. But when the king came to look over the dinner guests, he saw there a man not dressed in wedding clothes. And he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without wedding clothes? And he was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot and cast him out to the outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. So let's look at some details about the parable. Here's the king, and he has a wedding feast for his son. Right away we can see uh, the similarities. We can see what, what's being alluded to very easily, can't we? So he sends his servants out to call those who have been invited. He's had been invited to the feast, and he sends his servants out to call them who had been previously invited, but they didn't want to come. They had their own businesses to take care of and made excuses, this and the other. So he sends them out again and tells them to explain how the wedding feast has been prepared. The oxen and the fatted calf have been slaughtered and everything is ready to go for the feasts. But again, they ignore the invitation. And then they take it a step further. They mistreat and they kill those servants who had come to tell them to come to the feast. So the king was angry. He was angry because these had rejected his invitation. So he sends his armies out to destroy these murderers and to burn their city. So this time he sends his servants out once more but orders this time to invite everyone that they come in contact with on the main highways to come to the feast. It's a little bit different than the other two. The other two groups had been invited already. And he sends his servants out just to call them to come in. With this group, he just says, whenever you meet someone on the highway, invite them to come in. And so they did, and it says that they brought, they brought in to the wedding feast both good and evil. But when the king comes to the dinner to, to look over the, the dinner guests and to see who is assembled there, he sees someone who is not properly clothed, someone who is not dressed the way he should be for the wedding. And so the king has him thrown out. He tells the servants to bind him hand and foot and cast him out to that place of outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It says there in verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. As is the parables, it's a simple story. It's a wonderful, wonderfully beautiful, simple story. It has so much meaning. So let's talk a little bit about wedding feasts and some things that we see that are so obvious to us. First of all, the wedding feast itself. Wedding feast is often referred to as the kingdom that's going to be set up by Jesus himself. In Isaiah 25 and verse 6, it says, The Lord of hosts will prepare a lavish banquet for all the peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow and refined aged wine. 
This is speaking of that kingdom that's going to be set up. The kingdom that will come under Christ. And we see here Isaiah the prophet referring to that as a wedding feast. And this is going to be a feast that everyone is going to be invited to. And we understand that about the kingdom. A reference to the kingdom being in, uh, available for all peoples. All peoples are going to be able to come into this wedding feast. Revelation 19, verses 7 through 9, speaks of this wedding feast. We looked at this when we looked at the, the, the lesson on the bride of Christ, how there is a bride, that is the church, and the groom, and that is Jesus Christ himself. And that marriage feast that takes place there, we see it in, in Revelation 19, when that ultimate culmination comes together, the bride and the, Christ, and the groom, the church, and Jesus Christ. But even this, even this gracious offer of this wedding feast, where all the things are prepared, the fatted calf and the oxen, all things that have been put there. If we go back to Isaiah 19, the aged wine, the pieces of marrow, all the things that have, have gone through such care to prepare, even these things are refused and are rejected. And they're rejected by people who are indifferent to it. We see how, in this parable, how there's some who want to go back to their farm or want to go to their business. They're just indifferent to it. And then we see those who are even hostile. They even kill those that are coming to tell them about the wedding feast. And this is obviously pointing to the rejection of Jesus by the Jews. And all the prophets that had come to them over the years, all the prophets that they had slain, because those prophets were coming to them, telling them the truth. And the people rejected it. They didn't want to hear the truth. So the king punishes these. He obviously hears, understands, knows that his prophets have been slain. So he punishes these by destroying their cities, by putting them to death. This seems to point towards the impending destruction that's going to come to Jerusalem that Jesus is going to talk about in just a couple of chapters over in chapter 24, where he alludes to this time that, this, that Jerusalem is going to be sacked. It's going to be destroyed. So, in the midst of all this, he invites others to come to the wedding feast. Now that he has punished those who rejected the invitation, he invites those who hadn't previously been invited. And this, of course, alludes to the inclusion of the Gentiles into the kingdom. For so long, God's people had been the, the chosen, the Jews, the Israelites. But seeing their rejection time and time and time again, God's going to call all people. The Jews had their chance. They rejected him. Now the, the call is going to go out to all peoples. Look over in Ephesians chapter 2 with me for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 2. Such a wonderful passage here when we talk about the gospel call, those who have been included in the gospel call. It's beautiful language here in, in Ephesians 2. Beginning in verse 11, 
It says, therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There's that inclusion. There's the bringing together of Jews and Gentiles under the blood of Christ to be united in the kingdom. So we have these that have come now to the, ki- to, to the wedding, to the wedding feast. And there's one there that's improperly attired. Now this would have been a serious insult to the one who was throwing the wedding feast. I read somewhere about they even, I think this was a Jewish custom or of the times, that they would even, if, if someone was improperly dressed, they had clothes ready to give them so that they could clothe themselves. I, I kind of think of going to a restaurant where you don't have a jacket, you know, and, and say, here, you've got to have a jacket to eat here. We just happen to have one back here. It was an insult. It would have been a terrible insult to this king who was throwing the wedding feast for his son not to be properly attired. And it demonstrates in, this, in the parable that, that this one was not ready. This one was not prepared. He was not taking on the responsibility. He was not meeting the expectations that the king had and, and what would have been custom in the wedding feast because he wasn't properly attired. And we can kind of get a glimpse of that and understand that because when he, the king asked him why he is not properly attired, the man was speechless. He didn't have anything to say. Kind of brings to mind that he knew he should have been. So he had no defense. All people are invited to the kingdom. But there's an expectation that you conduct yourself in a proper manner while you're there. It's so telling of the way this parable lays out. Those who were previously invited were called and they rejected it. So then the the king says, go and invite all that you come in contact with on the highway and invite them to come in. And it says that they, they come in good and evil. So we see these coming in. But there's an expectation of the, of the, the, the wedding feast guests, that they be properly attired. So there, and so he was thrown out of the feast. He said he's bound hand and foot and thrown out. And Jesus had des- described that place in earlier parables and other parables where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. A place of terrible violence. A place that no one wants to be. So what can we glean from the parable? We, we see it spelled out. We see it laid out so beautifully. We understand easily, I think, each of these elements and how they all lay out. So what can we really glean from this parable? What can we put into our own lives and make a, a, an application and an understanding of this? While we see the immediate application to those Jews who he was addressing, remember he's at the temple, And he's addressing those, 
So there's an immediate application. And remember, if we go back to the, the parable there at the end of chapter 21 of the wicked vine dressers, they realized who Jesus was talking about. They realized that, they were, that he was talking about them. So there's that immediate application. What about the ongoing? What, 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 it mean, what does it mean to us today? And we can think of it in this way. The wedding feast is still going on today. The king is still inviting people in, isn't he? The invitation hasn't stopped. The invitation hasn't ended. There's an invitation that still goes on. We t- we, at the end of our time together, we offer an invitation, don't we? There's an invitation to come to the kingdom. The king is still inviting, is still inviting those people in, pre- people who weren't previously invited. Think about that. People of the world. Anybody is welcome to come in. People you meet on the highway. They're welcome to come in. And it means that the gospel is available to all. Titus 2 and verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. So when we think about our group and, 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 and the fellowship that we enjoy, let's not get closed off to that. Remember that the invitation is still going out. The invitation is still being given by the king to invite those to come in. But sadly, many are still rejecting that invitation. Well, I have um, this business to take care of. Well, Sunday mornings I work or I can't go. Now I have something to tend to in my own life. The invitation is still being rejected in the same ways. Those of indifference and even those of hostility. Who are hostile towards the word of God. And hostile, hostile to that invitation that's going out. But we as the king's servants, and that's where we fit into this. We still have to go out to the highways. We still have to go out and invite them to come in. That's our job in the kingdom. We are those servants of the king that have been asked to go out and continue that invitation. So once at the feast, we've got to make sure that we're properly attired. Getting into the feast just means that we have, that we have accepted the gospel call, that we have accepted the invitation to come to the feast. And we've done that by surrendering in, bab- surrendering in baptism. And we're made part of the kingdom. Now as invited guests and as we have have earned our way, if you will, to come into the kingdom, not to say that we earn ourselves, you know what I mean. We don't earn our way in. We're into the kingdom by the grace of God. We surrender in baptism to enter into the kingdom. But as those invited guests, we got to make sure that we don't offend the host. Remember, it says the king comes to, to look over the dinner guests and he sees this one who isn't properly attired. And the host was offended. We must make sure that we are doing things properly. We must make sure that we are doing what the host expects us to do. It means clothing ourselves properly. Matthew 5 and verse 16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. There are certain things that we have to do as the guests at this wedding feast. And we do those things to bring glory to the Father. Not glory upon ourselves, 
but glory to the Father. And that last verse there in the parable, verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. While the invitation goes out to all, there still is a responsibility on our part to remain as invited guests. The gospel is for all. We just read that from Titus 2 and verse 11. Grace has appeared to all men, bringing salvation to all men. So once we're in, there's still that responsibility on our part to remain in, to remain in that wedding feast, to make sure we're doing things that bring glory to the king, not on ourselves. The invitation is still going on. The invitation to come to the wedding feast is still going on. Let's make sure we're doing our part. As servants of God, let's make sure that we're continuing to go out into the highways and ask those people to come in. Come to the wedding feast. All things are ready. We sing that song, don't we? All things are ready. Come to the feast. The king has prepared the wedding feast. All things are ready. So we come in, and we remain there by not offending the host, by doing those things that he expects of us. If you are subject to the invitation, now is the time that you can respond to that. As I said, the invitation is still going out. We're still being invited to come into the kingdom. If, as a child of God, if you're not properly attired... If you're not doing those things that bring glory to the hosts, that bring glory to the king, if you've fallen in that, you can make those necessary corrections to be pleasing to the king. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.